Hi, guys. This is Headcase. We are here. Actually, it's just me today. So Steph is here with (laughs) Rachel Doyle of the charity Glamour Gals. And we reached out to each other basically through one of my friend's moms. She got us connected and told me all about your charity and how I would be really a good fit for being involved in that. And so we connected and I'm so excited to interview you because I think your charity is amazing and it is a kind of a different focus than what I've been talking about on this podcast so far, but it's still very important, I think, especially because the elderly are very close to my heart and I have such a soft spot for them. So it, it really, what you're doing is so great and it helps like the mental health of the elderly. So... With that being said, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Um, Would you just tell us a little bit about like how you started Glamour Gals and definitely? Well, I I started Glamour Gals eighteen years ago, so I've been uh, doing this more than half my life. (laughs) But I I think I I never envisioned it being what it is today because it was really born out of this idea to honor my grandmother. She had passed away in a senior home when I was in high school. And I thought about what are the things that I love and to do something that could honor her, but also make someone smile. And as a teenager, I love fashion and beauty and makeup. And I... I had maybe gone into a local senior home once or twice, usually during the holidays, to play my violin and, you know, bring a little cheer and music. And I thought, well, why can't I have, like, a a grandmother for the day each time I go in? So in August of 1999, I started developing the idea of going into my local senior home and bringing friends from school and providing companionship and also a signature program of complimentary beauty makeovers. Love that. So you can volunteer (laughs) in senior homes all the time, but you can spend the day standing behind people, standing up, like pushing them in wheelchairs or playing bingo, and you never actually embrace them or touch them or even sit down next to them and, like, face them and talk to them at eye level. Yeah, in very close proximity. Exactly. So it it took a couple months of planning because the first senior home that I went into – uh, or the senior home I was going into, I met with the activities director and I pitched her my idea and she was like, well, who's the adult involved and who's your corporate sponsor? And I was like writing this down, being like, sure, I'll get back to you. <laughs> no idea what a corporate sponsor yeah, was. Yeah, I don't need, I still don't really know. Yeah, right? <laughs> so I walked out those double doors into like my mom's minivan. Yeah. We were in suburbia. <laughs> uh, my mom's minivan and I'm like, well, you're an adult. Will you be the advisor and then back in the day, this is so before your time, I opened up the yellow pages. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> there was no Google. Very <laughs> old school. Very old school. On my landline. Oh, my gosh. I called anybody who was like a cosmetic company. Yeah. And at the time, we were using – I wanted to use Polaroids because yeah. after a makeover, we would take a picture together and give the picture as a tangible memory to the senior. That's great. As like a little gift, sort of the Glamour Gals were here. Yeah, and you can write on it. You can stuff. write yeah. on it. And then when you're not there, the conversation could continue. Right. So it was sort of a really neat way. So long story short, a couple months later, January of 2000, I – sort of convinced two girls from homeroom to come with me to the very first makeover that I was holding at the local senior center, senior home. And we gave three makeovers. I actually, on YouTube, we have our very first Glamour Girls makeover. They made us wear like candy striping outfits, which is not mandatory at all. (laughs) Just like quite a fashion statement. I didn't know they still had those. Oh my God. Well, this was like 18 years ago. Yeah, they must have been like... (laughs) So now we have really cute T-shirts that, oh, I love that. that we have that. But anyway, so the first makeover was myself and two volunteers and three ladies. And I think we had more press there than people because the senior home had sent out a press release and the New York Times had answered it. What? And so there was a New York Times journalist there. There was two local newspapers. And at the time, I was on a live television show. And my friend Steve, shout out to Steve, was <laughs> filming. He's in TV now. So okay. it was like, kind of cool. I was like, yeah. oh, I realized your dream. Uh, he was filming for the live television show, that edit of um, the very first makeover. Yeah. And 
Uh, so it's on YouTube. You can see it. I have a very thick Marissa Tomei accent. Oh, my I God. To walk like this. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wednesday, you're going to be old. Oh, and my God. <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> anyway, so, so it's so captured. It's captured. But, you know, when now fast forward 18 years, I can talk a little bit more about how the organization has grown and built. But I uh, – when people are – you know, volunteers come up to me and say, you know what, I think only myself and two volunteers can make it this time. Ten were supposed to come. I said, don't cancel on the women because my first makeover was myself and two volunteers. And literally after it, the two girls who I sort of convinced yeah. to come were like, so when are we coming back? Right. And so they loved it. Right you just away. need one or you just need two and then everybody has FOMO and then – Yeah, and then up. it all sticks. Exactly. Yeah. So That's amazing. That It's very – Humble beginnings and, uh, you know, you start from zero to create something. But, you know, being, I think, on an interview like this is really important because so much of what we do with the teens and the seniors addresses, like, their mental health or your quality of life or how you're emotionally feeling that day. And, you know, there's medicines and there's um professionals, but sometimes the idea of spending time with someone, Absolutely. letting them know that they're important to you or to others in the community outside those four walls, as well as uh, the idea of feeling dignified in yourself and your appearance mm-hmm. is is really powerful. And I, that's I what a Glamour Gals yeah. makeover sort of is the essence yeah, of it. It's deeper than just exterior looking better it's feeling better manicures and makeovers are half the story because they're like a tool for conversation right absolutely you get to know someone you're very close using your hands with their hands you touch their face right and that's that's something i mean i too have grown up kind of in and out of visiting retirement homes through through my my grandma she just passed away actually last week but she lived in an assistant living home for a really long time. And before that, her sister was in one. So like, I've been around them forever, but it's so true. Honestly, visiting, it's like their currency and <laughs> having visitors is like the currency of an, of a retirement home. It's like whoever has the most visitors and if the younger, the better. So they totally. love that. And, you know, 60% of people in care are not visited. So you were a lovely granddaughter to be going. You're someone special. Yeah. And hats off to you because I remember my first time visiting, like, a great aunt in a nursing home. And it was a really scary experience. Yeah. So some people have really negative experiences. And I'm not saying that every experience as a Glamour Girls volunteer is perfect and right. easy. But I think that also creates a rich life. Like, things are not always going to go your way in life. And if you can learn to deal with things that challenge you or push you a little out of your comfort zone around friends who can support you in it. So the difference between that sort of negative experience I had going to that senior home the first time where I was with my family and, you know, I I wasn't in necessarily a group setting versus a Glamour Girls makeover where if someone does encounter a challenge or something that pushes them out of their comfort zone, they're in a group setting with their friends and they can support one another through it to like work through that issue or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've worked with and volunteered with Alzheimer's patients too. So I know that, um, having a disease like that can be super difficult, especially when you're trying to communicate with someone. But at the end of the day, like it is so true. They just want to be, they just want attention and like someone to talk to and the hug police. Yeah. And I actually like enjoy, I enjoyed visiting with strangers almost more because it was like, no emotional baggage. No emotional baggage. You get to know someone and like it It baffles me how, especially in our country, the elderly are just thrown away like that. And we kind of just like – in every other country, they're treated like royalty. And then in our country, it's sort of like, okay, well, you're old now, so let's put you in this home and only visit you like once every couple months. And I was used to going – I mean, fortunately because ever the – this is still living homes and things were close to where I was and mostly because my mom was like in charge of kind of taking care of them and visiting and everything. She's a nurse, so she was like used to it. But um yeah, I definitely was kind of baffled even from a young age of how they're just never they they just don't get any attention. And 
every person has like this whole life that they lived and all these stories and did amazing things that no one will know about if you just don't ask. And like there, there, there's like such a stigma about being old and being like senile or be even when you have Alzheimer's, like you may not be fully there all the time, but you still have your moments of clarity and like can really get deep with someone and tell them these stories that are super fascinating. Like the women who sat with my grandma at dinner every night were so with it. Like my grandma wasn't that with it at that point and, yeah. and she thought she was, but all the other women were super um really engaging and just could could relate to you on any level and tell you stories and it was super fascinating. So and there's amazing. you know it's a glamour girls makeover is all about the in between and the great thing about having the beauty aspect is that if a a person can't communicate yeah. with speech like maybe they had a stroke and part of their face is paralyzed right. and they can't speak and it, you can still interact and spend time with the person by giving them a hand massage or painting their nails mm-hmm. or giving, you know, cleansing their face and yeah. doing something where you sort of take off the burden of having that conversation, yeah. but doing something that's memorable and having a connection with someone in that sense. Right. And I don't know any person who doesn't like to be pampered. Oh my goodness. I would like sign me up. Yeah, next. seriously. <laughs> you brought up a great point before about how, um, you know, there's this stigma in society about what old people are like yeah. and they're, they're all like, and I think, you know, if there even is TV culture, maybe it's YouTube culture now, it's like they're always showing characters of older people like being yeah. cranky or mean or whatnot. And it's sort of like, well, listen, if you were sort of cranky and mean as a young person, you're not going to change. Right. And there's a lot of people on this planet. So it's sort of like, let's get real now. Yeah. Like, it's you know, such, they're just older yeah. and they're going to be maybe have less tolerance of like yeah. the people they don't want to be around. Seen it all, <laughs> they, yeah, but, they, have, <laughs> they have figured out who they want to spend their time with yeah. and who they don't. And a lot of them do like to be yeah. alone and, some of them are just kind of shy, too, I've noticed. Like, I had an, a next-door neighbor who was the grumpiest man ever. He used to, like, shoo people away on Halloween and, like, be, he was just so grumpy. And somehow my mom, like, cracked that and, like, got in to his heart somehow. And just once his wife died, she really took care of him because he just couldn't do anything for himself. And he ended up, like, being a grandpa, basically, to us. So it was very interesting how – just it's you really have to break that shell and we hear those stories you know one of my favorite parts of glamour gals um after 18 years is that i read and hear about the journeys of all the other volunteers and those journeys we capture them in like reflective journals online the volunteers after glamour gals makeover and before they can hop on their phones and share about their experiences and then use that towards uh, an intergenerational service award that could get them scholarships or yeah. academic possibilities. But even before that, just reading these stories about young people transforming or capturing those incredible moments that, you know, they weren't around. I mean, when records or CDs or, I mean, like all these things that don't exist anymore yeah. that these people have lived through, that technology changes, the political changes, just so social, much history. So much history. And we get to read about them. They almost get like a second life or a yeah. second stage to be shared through our volunteer journals. And so many times the story is about maybe the same woman throughout the year or sometimes men, yeah. but women outnumber men eight to one in senior care. We just wow. live longer. Yep. So never die. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So we um we read these stories about, you know, they met this woman and she was like super cranky and and then you they they give her the opportunity to like keep getting visits and understanding why she was that way and getting to know her. I mean, you yeah. think about shy people in your life. How you meet yeah. someone, you think they're really rude, yeah, but they're actually just super shy. Right? And you it's had like this a whole social anxiety. It was like thing. all in your head. Yeah. You're like, oh my god, this person hates me. They like didn't want to talk to me, but really, yeah. it's nothing. They seem at all. super cold. Have like resting bitch face, and you're just like. You're not. You're a sweetheart down there. I know it. (laughs) So if you give people the opportunity to open up to you, and again, it's that's the type of volunteer work that we do. We just happen to do it with seniors. Yeah. And we happen to do it with the tool of 
beauty and makeup, but that's really the backdrop in a sense to the essence of a Glamour Girls makeover is the the conversation and the time yeah. and those moments that maybe someone reaches across the table and squeezes your hand and yeah. just says, thank you. Yeah, and they're so grateful, which is – and it kind of goes two ways. It's like especially with young girls. I know you have like a lot of high school kids starting doing it and that's kind of where- – 75% of our volunteers are in high school and yeah. 25% are in college or – or above. Yeah. yeah. So that's like a great growing experience for them and helps their mental health too, because it's, I mean, especially kids who can get involved who like don't have grandparents or, or just have never been exposed to that and then suddenly have this new appreciation. And it's like a way to feel good about yourself for helping someone. So that's awesome that you can like really start young. You know, I, I started this when I was 17. Yeah. So it was sort of born out of almost in a selfish way, like what I needed in my life. And yeah. I had always been driven to service and I felt like I, I did every walk. I collected all the cans of food. I begged my parents for, for checks whenever I right, could, right, you right. know, and, yeah. and like that was service, but actually going in and meeting the people that you can impact. Yeah. I think is like a whole nother level of service that if you can introduce that to young people, what I think what makes Glamour Girls so unique is that we're building an empathetic young person yeah. and that type of leader. Like, there's so many great girls organizations out there, but it's all about, like, what can I do for me? How can right. I make me better? Me, me, me. Right. Whereas this is you're learning how to make you better through giving to someone, someone else. else. Yeah. And being And it's open like to instant that. gratification, too. It's like they're instantly happier because you're working on them, like, right then and there. It's not sort of – like you can revisit the same person, but it's sort and of and not always. Like in, um, I I I definitely love the idea that you can be there and see the expressions yeah. on their faces. But I mean, one of the I think pretty much what almost like changed the course of like my life in this organization mm-hmm. was the idea that I went to a makeover. Probably was like senior in high school, and at, at the makeover, this woman named Faye, she had one of those like purple sweaters with the iron on. Pictures. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, like one of those sweaters, purple, yeah. purple, I call her purple sweater Faye. And she was sitting like not smiling at all. And I double checked with the activities director. Did she want to make over? She's like, yes, 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 go. I felt like I danced circles around this woman. I told her my whole life story and the activities director kept pushing me on like, no, 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 keep, you know, put some blush. Yeah. She wants, you know, she wants to be here. And I just, I got nothing. And right. I remember going back that night to my parents being like, I'm a failure. Like yeah. this is not, it's not making a difference in someone's life. The woman didn't even smile the entire yeah. time. And at dinner, we got a phone call from the activities director. And first I thought, oh, my God, I'm so in trouble. Yeah, you're like, like, I screwed something up. I totally screwed something (laughs) up. And she was checking in about Faye. And I'm like, now I'm really sweating. And and I'm like, purple sweater, Faye. She's like, yep. And she's like, I'm actually calling you to let you know that Faye had been severely depressed and had stopped eating. And after the makeover, she started eating again. Oh, my gosh. I have chills all over my body right now. <laughs> and I, as a young person, was like, whoa, I took a step back. I, I mean, I totally left that. I'm so thankful for the call of that activities director because yeah. I left that makeover thinking I was a failure. This is and not. made it worse. <laughs> yeah, right? And then this woman calls me to tell, tell me how, like, after just me spending an hour of my time, this woman started eating again. That's. And for me, that really hit home because my – my grandmother had stopped eating when she was in a senior home. Yeah. And my family lived across the country and we couldn't afford to fly back and forth and visit her right. when we could. And 18 years ago, the, the the landscape of senior care was even totally different. Like, yeah. I don't think we all really even understood Alzheimer's or dementia. She probably had that, my grandmother. But, you know, she, she was 92. She lived a full life. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the end of the day, she, she didn't want to go on. Yeah. And, um, when this woman like made that change, it's it's it meant something to me and I've always held yeah. on to that story because you know, they don't come off often. I don't have any other yeah. stories after seventeen more years right. of that, but I just need one. Yeah. How I mean you can the fact that, that just that small amount of time made such a big impact, that's really yeah. baffling. It's weird that um I mean that's the thing is like with the elderly it's it, 
it's more complicated in a way because like, there's other factors involved with like Alzheimer's or possible dementia or this and that. And then you have to make sure they're like eating in order to be getting the nutrients they need and all of that. And then the fact that like they could be depressed and most of the time – that's the thing is like if you're in a retirement home and you're quiet – it's, it Who's could listening? be like because you're quiet or yeah. it could be because you're depressed. So it people don't know. And that's the thing is who's listening. Like, who's listening? No, so not many. Yeah. And it's like being um, – I think the statistic is like – it's like smoking, smoking like 16 cigarettes a day. That's how bad it is for your yeah. health to have like isolation or be depressed. And, you know, it's definitely a real a real issue we need to address and – it's definitely something I hope that, you know, we can continue to inspire others to get involved. Actually, you can volunteer with us. Yeah, I'm in definitely in. <laughs> December 18th in New York City at Sage. Perfect. It's a really cool senior center. Um, after work, it's on our website. You can yeah. sign up and volunteer with us. And we try to host what we call mega makeovers throughout the year for people who are maybe not in college and in high school to come volunteer alongside our volunteers or just with other professionals or people in the community that would like to go in and spend some time with the seniors in their community and yeah. be a part of our service that's and amazing. do this. So. I'm definitely coming. That, Yay. That's amazing. <laughs> um, so do you – does your family ever get involved with you in this? Like how, how did they respond to this? Because I'm sure – you mentioned your dad is in the mental health field as well. So, so I – well, starting this when I was 17, my only network was really my family. So yeah. I, when, I, when we created a um, – when a nonprofit status was created, my original board of directors was literally the people around my dining room table. Right. Like, I remember I had to submit minutes for – because as – a legal board, you have to yeah. have meetings and do minutes. And the lawyer read the minutes and says, who's, you know, Alan Doyle? And I'm like, that's my dad. And I'm, he's, she's like, he's not on the board. I'm like, well, he's sitting at the dining room table. Yeah. So he said something and he got into the minutes. Yeah. Like, you need to declare him as a guest. So humble beginnings. Oh, my um, God. That's amazing. And I though. do have some of my family still involved in on the, the board of directors. The, the other ones have phased out. Yeah. And we've, we've grown our network of other generous, genuine people who are a part of the organization that it is today because now we're not just two volunteers. We're almost 2,000 in 18 different states serving 109 communities. That's and I say incredible. communities because it might be four high schools in rural Ohio going to one senior center or in Staten Island. We have one high school going to four senior homes once a week. Yeah. So uh, it's – I like to say community. Yeah. And um, my, my parents are definitely uh, – They've always been supportive. I think when uh, growing up, they maybe didn't have the financial resources to back things, but they had the time and the willingness to just support me in things that I do. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm super thankful for that. And you mentioned my dad. He's My mom was a kindergarten teacher, and my dad uh, – so I think my love for like learning and teaching others and yeah. mentoring others, I grabbed that from my mom. Right. And then my dad, he worked in, uh, he just retired this year, but he worked for Fountain House, which is an international clubhouse for people with mental illness. And I was just sharing yeah. with you before how I sort of checked myself at the door of his work one day because I went in and I think I'm a really open-minded person, right. understanding, always trying to be helpful to people. And, you know, I made a comment like, oh, you know, is that person crazy? Right. You know, and he was like, that's a staff person. And yeah. I was like, whoa, okay. Um, I, 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 you're like, I know nothing. Yeah, I know nothing. <laughs> and, you know, it was – I just I found like wow you I I just learned one your words can be really powerful right. and saying such like a uneducated phrase like that person's crazy right. like, even that's rude yeah and you know never did it again and but learned from it and yeah. I have him to thank for sort of opening up that view to people you know who have mental illness and suffer from it and uh, there's so many different kinds and uh, it and it's it it impacts. All generations, yeah. you know, from teenagers and to seniors and, you know, people with, um, you know, it, 
sort of like the two populations that we work with, teens and seniors, they're both fragile yeah. in their own ways. Yeah, it's and kind of like the most vulnerable points of your life, sort of. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you think, I don't know about you in high school, but, you know, high school is a hard time for Terrible. being a girl. And I can't even imagine now with social media. Even how, worse. Way even worse. worse. You're like, did I, I posted a picture and if people don't like it, maybe they don't like me. I'm like, yeah. oh my goodness, this is like so. Your self-worth is based on. Pressure. Like this, surface level Instagram likes and things like that. Totally. And it's, it's a lot to keep up with. Even when yeah. I try to be on social media now, I. I find myself being like, oh, my goodness, I I can't even imagine if I was a high school student having to deal with that. Yeah. And so the idea of introducing real conversation or real time with other people that doesn't involve yeah. a phone necessarily. Yes, we say, oh, like share a picture on Instagram of you right. doing this. But the real meat of the journey is actually connecting with people right. and having those experiences. And I think everybody's craving that now. Yeah, absolutely. Like some real one-on-one contact and having like letting like a kid be a kid and the adult be an adult, but like feel like a kid again. And that's what a great thing about grandparents do. Yeah. The relationship between like a mom and a daughter is very different usually than a grandparent and a granddaughter or grandson. Absolutely. It's like, there's less pressure. First of all, like less, you don't have to give them any rules necessarily. It's always like the more fun relationship sort of. So that's great. And and you you end up learning a lot from your your grandma or grandpa when you're growing up. I feel like they kind of teach you especially because maybe the even if a relationship between like a parent and their their parent is off, there's always something more special with your grandparents, I feel like. So totally. Totally. Do you guys ever work with men? We do. Uh, I think once they see at the senior home, like a group of ladies having fun in a right. room, like they're everybody like, what's flocks happening? There. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting because they're of a g- generation where like metrosexual didn't even exist, but right. they welcome it. I think they're, uh, like I said, you know, women outnumber men eight to one. So there's not that many men right. necessarily in senior care. Uh, but if they are there, you probably will find them at yeah. a Glamour Ales makeover. And they share incredible stories and knowledge. Yeah. And sometimes they get their nails buffed. And you know what? I've seen pictures where they're like, paint them. Why not? I love that. <laughs> oh, man, that's amazing. And you know, it's those moments where in between the doctor appointments or the aches or pains or just – the all the baggage that comes with aging yeah. that we all are going to have to deal with right. to have an afternoon or a morning or a time with young people just having a great conversation like a almost like the vibe of a beauty shop where you yeah. go to gossip and laugh and right. hang out and get pampered that's what we kind of recreate yeah. around the country Absolutely. you know why it's wouldn't like that, I? that kind of commu- little community where you can really like share how you're feeling, like the barber shop and all of that. That's amazing. I love that idea. They, I feel like the men would just really get, be totally fine with getting and anything do. done, or even just sitting in there and talking with people because it's just, they love I feel like every time I go, everyone's kind of likes to show off in some way if they're, you know, like even, and it's nice because it's not forced fun. Like I feel like a lot of retirement homes, they do their best, I'm sure, and like try to get people, you know, to come play music for them and this and that. But um, I know my grandma personally was like, she's very social, but like to an extent, like she's an extroverted introvert. She was so introverted and didn't like being, didn't like being around people in some sense, unless it was her family. So if she could like connect one on one with someone like that, if we if they had something like that at her assisted living home when we were visiting her, I think that would have been so cool because even when she always kept everything too, so if she got a card or like a photo like that, it would have been amazing. Like, well, you're talking about choice. Yeah, I I think that's a really powerful thing, and when you're in senior care, choice is a lot of time taken away. Your mm-hmm. schedule. 
the food that's offered to you, maybe even your bedtime or where you can go. Choices are very limited where during a Glamour Gals makeover, we introduce or reintroduce the idea of choice. And there's so much power in that. Yeah. Even if it's something like what lipstick color, what conversation, what do you want to do? Oh, you don't want to do this now. We'll do this. There is choice. Yeah. And that's really – you think about how many choices you get to make every day. All of that sort of taken away because of the structure or the system that they're in. You know, and even your own body is like (laughs) taking away your choices, just not giving you the same abilities you once had and having someone else have to make decisions for you when you were like the most independent person. It's like you were the boss of the house. And I think even for uh, people who have parents in care, like I never fault them because I have seen the pain there is and the emotional baggage there is when your mom doesn't remember who you are yeah, and trying to go and visit that person and keep your together yeah. to be like, this is my mom. I want the best for her, but I can't handle going every week and her going, who are you? Yeah. What are you doing here? And you're like, you used to boss me around. Yeah. Like it's, you were it is the true. It's the almost like. A reverse aging. It's like they become like the a baby and nobody again prepares almost. you for it. Yeah, so. it's not. No one does. Yeah. It's it's weird. It's certainly like even thinking about because after spending all that time in a, a retirement home or assisted living home or whatever it is, you you go in and then like I go with my mom a lot, and then I always think about like, wow, this is gonna be like me taking care of you one day when I literally can't do anything without asking your opinion at this point. So it's, it's weird. It's definitely weird. And I can imagine like having all of, it's almost having your rights taken away in so many ways. Cause you can't drive anymore. You can't really, I know my grandma like insisted on going on a walk every day, which was like her form of independence, I guess. But, um, who, for those who, can't walk or this and that it's like it's definitely nice to even give them the tiniest bit of independence by letting them pick like a nail color or just having like letting them talk about what they want to talk about and not having to sit around you know trying to have a conversation with someone who's they're not paid to be there right you know they're and not saying that that's not an important part of like having care for someone you need people to care for people who are staff and whatnot. Absolutely, but they're yeah. usually stretched to do too many things. Yeah. And they their first and foremost thing is, you know, the the health and well-being of someone. But then it's like literally the daily grind, the day-to-day, the quality of life. Yeah. And that's where Glamour Gals come in. They sort of break up any monotony. There's that breath of fresh air conversation that gets injected into uh a peach-colored activities room yeah. that was super quiet and tentative feeling when you all walk in. And then literally within minutes, there's laughter and conversation. It's that, oh, my goodness, red lipstick I wore on my first date right. when I met my husband. Or, you know, I've never gotten a facial before and I get to be pampered now. Yeah. Like, I don't even deserve this, but this is so nice. Like, it's amazing. There's, there's just incredible stories that come out. Yeah, I can imagine. And people forget that like these people were young ones and, you know, loved the same things we do. And they lived a full life life. outside of those four walls. And, you know, just to capture all of that is really exciting too. And they're not as pleased to be there as anyone else would be to be there. I think the only other time that I could think of in your life really when you're around everybody who's the same age as you pretty much. I mean, there are people in senior care who maybe have gotten Alzheimer's or a stroke or something in their 50. There's people who are as young as 30 even that we've um, volunteered with. But that, I mean, that's not necessarily the norm, but the only other time is like when you're in college or something or university where you're all, and that's a much different lifestyle. And that's still, it's it's even like, I know moving to New York um, and I spent time here like for a few like a few months while my friends were still in school and even just being in a new place in any capacity is super isolating like that's it's like going it's like putting your grandparent into a school basically that they're have no choice to go to and then expecting them just to like be friends with everyone just because they happen to be old it's just not 
going to happen. Like, it's the same. You find connections with people the same way you do no matter what age. So it's – I could see it definitely being lonely. And it's, like, a lot of – it's a lot of baggage, you know? Like, you kind of – I think you become – I don't even really know how their dynamics flourish in a retirement home, like how these elderly people become like friends with one another. I'm sure it's based on things that they find in common, like games and things that they like to do or where they're from maybe. But Mm -hmm. it's interesting how like people just expect everyone just to be happy when they throw them in a situation that's totally uncomfortable and not – not in their own home either. And it could be in a completely other state, which is, which is pretty shocking, but I'm sure like you've probably visited a lot of different homes around the U S I've been in all the, I've been in ones that I would move in tomorrow. And then I'm like, this is a great view. This is, you know, great programming and opportunities for the seniors. And then I've been in ones that literally should probably be shut down by the government. But I think those, uh, are the homes that we need to be volunteering at because those are the seniors who are really disenfranchised from right. society. And, you know, this – where America is going to be the oldest it's ever been in the history of our country in the next 20 years. Yeah. The population graph is going to be like an upside-down pyramid yeah. where the baby boomers are going to be aging. And I think they're – much more aware of how they want to age, which right. is interesting versus the last 20 years yeah. and the generation of their parents. But right now they are, you know, the baby boomers are the sandwich generation. They're taking care of their parents and they're taking care of their kids. Yeah. So I think they're a little more aware about the importance of having programs like Glamour Gals, but it's a lot to handle. Totally. Like, and it's so much pressure going into <laughs> it. And kind of like your future staring you in the face is frightening. Yeah. I know my friends even talk about like, oh, we should all live in like a – we should all live together. together. Yeah, <laughs> like in like some apartment building or it's just like a whole campus basically. Yeah. But they really should have things like that because honestly, they're, they're also the most expensive. It's ridiculous how expensive these And people like they are. literally might – have their entire in inheritance yeah. or their um, just the life savings of their parents go into to caring for them, and mm-hmm. you know we're just a different society now where we're not all growing up in a brownstone together. Right? Like my grandmother lived in Nevada, and we lived in New York. It's yeah. just the way it was. I mean, she had a full life. She was riding motorcycles. I think yeah. she remarried. We didn't know about she it. She just wanted wild to child that, yeah. slot machines, whatever. <laughs> but you know when. Uh, came to care, we just thought, well, are we going to move her out of state to New York where she knows no one? Right. She's not near maybe friends who could visit her. Yeah. And I mean, nothing, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? right? So you, n- it's never a perfect decision and you try your best to yeah. make those decisions. It's never going to be like the best. It's hard to know what the best is, but yeah. that's another thing. Like the, the care in some living homes are so much better than others and then some people are just super undertrained and then they kind of like are foraging for people to help out and that's why the volunteers is so necessary because I mean you can barely get good staff as it is in and some places. we've actually found that with our volunteers 87% shared that after volunteering with Glamour Girls, it impacted their academic and professional decision-making. Right. So they're interested in going into gerontology. Like, we don't need probably more plastic surgeons. We need people right. going into gerontology or the the practice and, like, all the aspects of aging and taking care of people yeah. who are aging because – that is going to be one of the huge issues in our society is dealing with the aging population and, and being able to have a open conversation about it to create policy or programs that make sense. Yeah, absolutely. For that population. I mean, they keep pumping out these superfoods and skincare lines and anti-aging this and that. And we're not aging. So yeah. we need to, like the aging process, like it's- my grandma lived a century, a full century. She's 99 when she died and she like, I mean, it's – she had a great way of life, I guess. And What was one of the favorite stories she ever told? Like I always regret not asking my grandparents more, my grandfather. More stories, yeah. Like I didn't – on my dad's side, my grandfather had passed away like even when my dad was younger. And my my 
grandmother on his side was she probably had some form of dementia or Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And then my mom's mom, she was just an incredible cook. So I feel like I lived food through her. Yeah. But then my grandfather, he was really quiet. He fought in World War II. And I just regret not being able to gather more stories yeah. from him. So I don't know if you ever yeah, had— Yeah, I mean, well— my grandma's always been a little wacky, I would say. She's yeah. um she's Greek. She was Greek, so she I definitely in the way, terms of food, I definitely she always made us agvelemino. It was like the this Greek soup that's like an all cure for any illness. It's like lemon, potato, chicken, rice and like sounds so good. an egg. So it's like kind of <laughs> hits all the marks. Um so that I always remember from her, but she was always like a super healthy person. I remember thinking she was a diabetic her whole life because she prote- she actually told us she was when it turns out she wasn't. She was <laughs> just wanted to be healthy. She once read sugar was bad for you and then just stopped eating it until Well, like, she lived to a hundred. Right. She knew something. Until she got to like her assisted living home. So she yeah. started kind of like enjoying it that then. But no, I mean, I've heard less from her stories, more from like my mom and my aunt telling me funny stories about, you know, she was one of seven siblings too. So she, she did crazy things with her siblings. Like one, one time she went to like Costa Rica, I believe with my, with her brother and got plastic surgery (laughs) (laughs) and no, and didn't tell anyone. And they came back and my mom, my parent, my mom was like, what is wrong with you? Like you can't just go get surgery and then not (laughs) tell anyone Like you could have died. Um, But she was a very interesting woman. Like she's very strong. She, um, she lived as a single parent her whole life. So my, she actually had a horrible car accident when my mom was two and got like run over by a car, a hit and run on her face, and her whole face came off basically. But surprisingly, like looks almost identical to what she looked like growing up. But it must have. She's always been one of these people who's been so positive, and that's something I'll always remember about her. She like. I even I remember and I don't know if it's because of what she went through but there had to be a period where she was depressed but they grew up, my my mom and my aunt and my grandma grew up in the Bronx so they grew up very poor and like really had to hustle so I think maybe that mentality just was ingrained in her a little bit and she always had like very close relationships with her siblings but yeah she she her husband left her and then um, soon, like soon after the accident, I'm pretty sure the accident had to do with it, but, um, being positive was always so like, it was, she was always so peppy about everything. And like when she was in a bad mood, it was weird. I only really ever saw her in a bad mood when she was like really sick or, or around someone she wasn't comfortable with. <laughs> and then she could get like a little mean or like throw things or something. But rightfully so. She right. probably wasn't up to it. Right. But um no, I remember they there was a baby picture of me crying that she had, and on the back she wrote like my name and age and then wrote tough life under it because she was almost making fun of me because I'm like, what does she have to cry about? But she was always like super she she like loved dogs and nature, always like collecting flowers we told her not to like (laughs) like trees and things like that but no she was that's something I always remember from her but um I mean I have like older parents too so um growing up like I think I've just been around a lot of old people and I think like I've picked up everything that everyone said throughout my life and um but I do think it's important to like collect those stories from from your grandparents and even like make like a one of those video books or that kind of memoir thing if that's something we can be able to do because it is true like you said your grandpa was in world war world world war two and um i know my uh my great uncle was in it and he didn't talk about it at yeah, all they didn't, and, like, didn't they read all the to. books they wouldn't talk about it but i know he was actually part of d-day yeah he was just part of like the last heat of people and that's why he survived wow. so i like i want us to capture these stories and um the event you came to last night yeah the, that was the amazing cookie, the cookie exchange like part of our holiday campaign with glamour gals was to sort of share those 
baking or cookie stories or holiday stories that you have with your loved ones and your right. family. And there's so much over um, food that you, like, trade and do it's that so over the true. holidays. It's so true. Food is really, like, a, the, the center point yeah. of every family, I feel like. Over the kitchen table. Yeah. Or the dining room table. And that's the one place most people hang out is in the kitchen. So yeah. it's that's very cool that you can share, especially cookie recipes. That's, yeah. like, a very – you can, every family has one, I feel like. And so you can share it, hashtag Joe Frickhead yeah. on, uh, um, Instagram or, and on our website, glamourgirls.org slash cookie on there, you can actually submit your story and be a part of the digital cookie book this yeah. holiday season. So it's like the first 10 pages are all chefs, a top culinary talent from New York to Paris where the grandparents or the moms of them have shared their cookie store, uh, cookie the recipes and stories and then the second half of the book is all uh cookie story source from our volunteers yeah. or people like you who just want to honor a loved one during the holidays and, and do that. Yeah, so. that's amazing. Yeah. Anybody can share. Yeah. And you can host. I you can also host, host a cookie own. exchange. Yeah. So there's three sweet ways to give. And the first is to host a cookie exchange with friends. So it's Bake them, buy them, bring them, however you roll with cookies. And um, ask for a donation to Glamour Gals. If people give $18 or more, they can receive our digital cookie book on December 18th. And we're using 18 as the magical number because Glamour Gals is 18 years old That's amazing. And uh, the last part is definitely you can share a cookie story or get the cookie book. Yeah. So That's so great that it's been going on for this long. It's really incredible. I feel like not all charities, like, it's really hard to get a business off the ground, let alone a nonprofit. So that's very commendable. I have lots of people to thank. Yeah. So, I think people. it's also a good time for it, even now, being with like the, the female, the women's movement, essentially. Right. A rebirth of the women's movement yeah. and saying how important it is to, you know, just empower each other to do things that you're passionate about or right. that you love and, you know, to support each other in that. So, I love the idea of the people around me or in my extended network being able to mentor or help them achieve yeah. what they want to achieve. Yeah. And that makes me feel good. Yeah. That's <laughs> what it's all about is making someone feel good and making yourself feel good and, and doing it in for a selfless thing is really great too. Um, I do have a question. How did you like get over the accent that you have? <laughs> Did it, am I not speaking with a New You York have accent? no New York accent. I'm Ooh. so shocked. Not that I'm nothing against New York accents. No, but, but I, I Marissa Tomei. Yeah, I right? I could have been talking like this yeah. the entire time. So I don't know if you would have kept me on for like an hour if I spoke like My this. My mom has a little bit of a New York accent too, so. I did two years of live television in high school. Okay. And back in the day when I'd pop in the get ready for this VHS tape. Oh my God. <laughs> I I just hated the way I sounded on television and it was distracting. Right. You know what it was? I was trying to talk about something or make a point and when you had such an intense uh accent from even different parts of the country, yeah. it almost took away from the points you were trying to make cuz live television's all about like thinking on your feet and yeah. being able to have a discussion and make a point within like 15 seconds. Right. And like, you don't and want sound people bite. focusing on just one word you said. So and I the way you said it. I would hear myself on television and be so distracted by my voice, I I tried to just work at speaking with no accent. I can imagine that's inc- that was incredibly hard. My mom did help me because she's from New England, and she's like, I don't want you to talk like a New Yorker. So um, in high school, she would drive me to school sometimes when I was like, I don't want to take the bus. Yeah. <laughs> she, she would drop me off at school before she goes to school, and she would quiz me in the car and be like, okay, say C-O-W. So instead of cow, you say yeah. cow or talk or dog. And, you know, she'd actually like train me. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> so props I mean, to mom. Yeah, my mom tries to do that with certain things I say too. She's like, how did you learn to speak this way? And some, I think it's just because, I mean, I went to boarding school, I went to college, and then I was away from home for so long. Do you notice like a certain people are more welcoming in, in one part of the country versus another or? I think that 
It's it's interesting when you end up speaking to the people who are at the home that you find out that they didn't maybe grow up in that community. Yeah. Like, oh, my son or daughter brought me closer to them. So I'm actually from Texas, but I'm in Los Angeles. Or wow. I'm from Alabama and I'm in New York. Or So a lot of people didn't necessarily grow up around the corner. Yeah. So you find a lot of transplants. But then again, I've lived in like three different, four different places already. So yeah. I can imagine when I'm hopefully 90 or 100, knock yeah. on wood, that I, you know, if I'm not in the same place, that's okay too. But I think it's just like in anywhere. If if somebody was angry when they were younger, anybody can be like angry anywhere. Anybody could be unwelcoming right. anywhere. But then there's also a lot of great people. And I think just like your grandmother, and I hope I can share, you know, being a centenarian as right. well one day, is that I really try to look for the best in people. Yeah. And I think that keeps me open to opportunities and and connections and conversations that can, you know, further my life in some way. But the idea that I uh, – just keeping a positive outlook on people and not everybody's always going to have a great day every day even though I'm a positive person yeah. and I do that. Right. So. Yeah, and you can't let other people's moods change your mood and or let it, like – with Faye, let exactly. it uh, like discourage. Yeah, you. I was ready to just close up shop yeah. and say, you know what, this glamour gals thing is maybe not worth it, right? Because I'm not making a difference, right? And, but I was, it, it was that impactful as like a 17 year old. So that's why creating the program, I really wanted to have a support network there. So our GG National team, which is available by like text, email. Smoke signal, whatever yeah. you guys need <laughs> uh, online. And they have a great website, by the way. Oh, thank yeah. you. We built it ourselves. Yeah. Shout out to Jessica who helped me in that yeah. um, or or really helped execute it all. Um, we are, you know, I wanted to build an organization that gave people the support right. that when things get difficult, they don't want to just stop. Stop. Like yeah. I didn't have, I mean, of course, I was in the kitchen with my parents and I was lucky enough to have that call from that activities director, but not everybody's going to have that support right. network. So if we at Glamour Gals National can be that support network for the girls who are doing this, who come from homes that they were raised by their grandparents or they don't have the support of their parents or they don't have the resources or even the confidence to overcome these challenges, that we can be that support system and yeah. network because we're busy with enough things, even right. the overachievers or the people – or maybe not the overachievers. We all have our own demons. And to be able to help them sort of at least at a baseline to say, you know what, we'll help you solve this problem. And we actually started this great – one of our alumna, she created this Ask Sam oh, right. sort of help yeah, advice column thing with these really – Awesome illustrations and whatnot. I was going to say kick ass. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, it. I don't know, like, is that in any way on no, our podcast? No, we can say, say <laughs> kick ass illustrations <laughs> uh, for our volunteers, and they're actually questions submitted by other volunteers from around the country. Right. So, so it's like an internal. Ask Sam. That's amazing, and a blog cool. within a blog. A blog like a within little, a blog. That's really cool. <laughs> that's really helpful too, because some volunteers don't really know where to start and don't know how to kind of. It just it, it's already. We want to like, make it easy. Yeah, that's so, really nice. Being able to be have someone almost it's like customer service on hand. <laughs> How do I do this? What am I doing? That's really great. I could see that's what probably strengthens Glamour Gals. You know, our goal isn't like, just to you know create more chapters. We want to sustain the chapters. Right. And we talk about to the volunteers. We share with them about what, what's your legacy? You know, you just want to start a bunch of stuff that's not going to continue when you're gone. And, right. you know, what does that really mean? So having them have that conversation, it's sort of January, New Year. That's when we'll start to talk about, well, who's going to be taking over your volunteer chapter next yeah. year? Who's going to inherit it? You know, like what's going to be your legacy when you leave high school, which yeah. is kind of neat. It is really cool because it's sort of like something that they're leaving behind just like – it's all kind of connected with the elderly and like. And I actually this. visited my old chapter, like the very first Comac. Oh, really? Chapter on Monday, and it, the advisor is my actually my old orchestra teacher. Oh my gosh! So cute. She looks the same. She looks awesome. Shout out oh to Miss Dow. Um, <laughs> she uh, she sort of reinvigorated the chapter, so it's our oldest chapter. It's eighteen years old, and I met the 
the girls who are running it. And there's a guy in the club, too. That's amazing. Uh, who are part of it. And it was just really fun to say, like, listen, you guys are the you guys were part of the first. Like, yeah. You're it. You the know, founding the founding chapter. Yeah, that's really great. That's- and they had awesome ideas. They were going to go to uh, the the maybe the VA and serve the seniors, the senior women at the VA. And I just thought, see, you just took it to a whole nother level. Yeah, it can that really I expand. never even yeah. thought about. It could totally go in so many directions. You can visit like more than just the elderly can visit sick people in the hospital, like can really go in so many directions. And do you guys kind of take, um, do you have a place where people can just give you ideas if like fundraising ideas or this and that? So we, the volunteers are on like chapters.glamourgirls.org and it's an online community for them to organize their volunteer hours. So the leaders of the chapters, they can manage the hours of all of their volunteers, their schedules, supply requests for their makeovers. They can apply to our chapter creativity fund with ideas and get reimbursement for additional things they want to do at the senior homes that keep them there longer. Right. So it may start with a makeover, but maybe end with in October, pumpkin decorating or yeah. holiday cards or an ugly sweater competition that yeah. they do. So we help them. We we give them the structure, the ongoing support and training, and then the place to reflect. So those journals they can hop on after yeah. their makeovers or before their meetings or whatnot and share their experiences. And we read every single journal and – we share it on social media if they allow us or we're able to pull best practices and ideas that we can use, yeah. you know, and share with other chapters. So not everybody – 50% of our chapters in the New York metro area and we have a host of events throughout the year that bring those volunteers together. But for the volunteers that are not in the New York metro area, we – we have the the website and social media and our sort of our leadership initiative outreach that share all of those ideas yeah. and, and gather the feedback. It's almost like a sorority. Yeah, <laughs> in some ways it is. How did you come up Hashtag with the name? Hashtag GG Yeah. <laughs> How did you come up with the name Glamour Gals? Glamour Gals. So it was a combination of things. Uh, I was in the mall with my grandmother, who the organization is in honor of, in – she was definitely in her 90s at the time, and it was also back in the day. I feel like I'm doing a lot of throwbacks right now. <laughs> there was this thing in the mall called Glamour Shots. I've heard of Glamour Shots. They, looking back, they're actually pretty hideous. But the <laughs> they idea, were all the rage. I, they were all the rage back in the day. And I remember I was with my my dad and we thought it would be kind of just something fun to do with my grandmother in the mall. And we went in to go and do this. And it was like, get dolled up and take a photo together. And it was too expensive. And we couldn't oh, afford it. Okay. And so I left going, like, my grandmother would have loved that. Like, a picture together with her granddaughter looking – I mean, we they gave you big hair and right. big makeup. It was, it was, like was really thing. over the top. It was the sign of the time. Yes. But I thought about that experience – and when she passed away, just how much she would have loved just that moment of getting pampered and looking pretty and feeling good about yourself and then having a tangible picture at the end yeah. to put up in a room. And, and not having to pay for it. And not having to pay. I don't remember the amount. Yeah. It just, we weren't, it wasn't in our budget. Right. And I thought, why can't I recreate something like that for, and I also loved giving makeovers to friends. Like we had the Kevin Aquan book. And we would do these crazy makeovers together. And I just remember how good we felt, you know, doing that on mm-hmm. each other. And again, these are more like character characters of the experience where the I sort of pared it down to the idea of the beauty parlor and that atmosphere you have with people when you do makeovers yeah. and things like that. We don't touch hair because you need a license for that. But the sort of came together and after she passed away, just wanted to do something and and Literally, I just remember saying to myself, like, I want to change the world. Yeah. Everyone does. So I, <laughs> I can admit it now, 18 yeah. years later, because I feel like I've sort of chipped away at yeah. that. But I remember being, you know, 17, being like, I want to do something that changes the world. Yeah. Well, you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and have you just – has that just been your main focus, like, f- since school and all of that? 
I have always sort of had glamour gals with me. I remember when I was graduating high school, sitting down with my parents being like, so I guess I continue this. Now I don't have three volunteers. I have 10 chapters. And they're like, well, you owe it to those people doing it. So I did it throughout college. And I got really involved in the entrepreneurship in college and sort of running a business. Because at the end of the day, I have a staff. We have rents. It's a business for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be smart about how you raise and spend money. Over 80% of our funds go to programming, you know, you can ask anybody. <laughs> I, you know, stretch the dollar as much as I can yeah. and the resources that we have. And I – but I think I've always been a very entrepreneurial person. Yeah. I love connecting with other entrepreneurs and doing things that are – I love a challenge. Yeah. So after college, I mean, I, I didn't have enough – money or funds to take it over full time. Like I needed right. to get a job, get health insurance. Of course. Like, yeah. Just pay rent. And I I worked all different jobs. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, Just like me. <laughs> my grandmother came, my other grandmother, after my grandfather passed away, came to live with us actually. Okay. So the summer after I graduated from Cornell, I actually went back home to Long Island and I helped my mom take care of her. And I waitressed at an Italian restaurant. Really? Uh, for about five, six months. And during that time, I became that waitress who's always like, wait, this is not my job, even though I spend 60 hours right. a week. Cause you I have way this more other responsibility. Thing, yeah. You know, but I, and then one day I, I was bringing her for like the winter time across to my aunts in California. And I ended up quitting my waitressing job. Uh, because I had like a – what was it? Some magazine shoot. They wanted to do Glamour Gals and I had a shift and I said, I'm not coming in today. Yeah. <laughs> like I think it was a Cosmo Fun Fearless yeah. email award and I just called them up and said, bye. I'm not yeah. – I, I don't usually quit on people like that. Right, but, but I, I mean, was like, there I is need a point to, where you're like have to follow your what passion. You, passion and then out of and, – and then when I moved to California, I spent – a couple of years in production, like live production yeah. and doing like in a graphics house and helping produce. And my boss was really cool about, I said, oh, by the way, I have this like nonprofit thing. I sort of played it down I'm like, yeah, yeah. where I might have to fly back to New York and like speak to a hundred high school students on a Saturday, but don't worry, I'll take a red eye and I'll be back to work on Monday. But if I could leave a little early on Friday, yeah. you know? <laughs> so I earned my keep there yeah. for sure. But I mean, that's commendable anyway. I feel like any employer would be like, you don't do that. Yeah. You're like doing something good in the world. Yeah. It's and, not just something like. But I didn't, you know, I vacation. didn't have the traction to take it over full time. Right. You know, you can't, in running an organization or a business, you have to be able to have the funds and the resources to do that. So 15 years ago, Andrew Tisch got involved by donating one of his spaces for our very first leadership training that we had. And I'm a big saying thank you person. So I said, um, you know, I want to say thank you to him. And I called up his secretary and he said, yeah, no, come in. And, you know, he has daughters and he just really loved what we were doing. And when he asked me to write a new business plan, I said, okay, now something's changing. I'm going to. So I quit my job. With the idea of like, hey, if this doesn't work out, can I come back? Right. <laughs> They're like, we always welcome you back. Yeah. I did very well on my last producing job. Good. <laughs> and then uh, I wrote the business plan and leveraged one of our oldest events, our Glammy Awards. And from there, I mean, I never looked back, thankfully. But he gave sort of the first round of funding and still sponsors aspects of the program as well as our Illuminate uh, dinner each May where he underwrites the That's cost amazing. of the dinner. So everyone giving 100% goes to the program. That's Which incredible. in New York City is like a huge coup to say yeah. you have like an awesome dinner for people to share about the program and 100%. I know it's usually never, it. never, or they don't disclose how much. I remember notice, I even noticed that on your website where, um, when we did the cookie thing last night, it was like 100% of the proceeds go to Glamour Girls, which is super rare. And that's just really cool. Thank you to Maman. Yeah. Yes. Maman's amazing. So good too. So tasty. But that's such a good sponsor to get. I know Tish is like everywhere that we hit. I think they had a, a library at my my small liberal arts school too. So that's really great. And do you get people who like sponsor you and give you makeup and things like that? Like for the 
Yes. Uh, we don't, we're not exclusive to right. anyone, but um, unopened, unpackaged cosmetics are always welcome. We do, uh, you know, like facial products or lipstick, blush, foundation, lip moisturizer is a big one. Yeah. <laughs> and then for the hands, hand moisturizer, nail polish, top coat, clear yeah. coats, colors, seasonal colors. So, yes, uh, I used to, in high school, before I had a website, right. or, like those things existed, <laughs> they would companies would send products to the main office at my high school. Oh my gosh! And I'd get called down to the main office, and there'd be like sixteen boxes of yeah plastic applicators. Yeah, that now there's no, like there was no home base to send it. But that's mm-hmm. amazing that they're you're able to get. So you can do like drives for it to like beauty drives, I guess. We d- we did a nail polish drive last spring. Cool, and that's really cool. So. We we always welcome that as long as unused and unopened yeah. products as well as, you know, tax-deductible donations are always helpful too. <laughs> yeah. It's a great way to to give to someone and, like, make it fun too. I mean, it definitely checks, like, all the, bo- all the boxes on my list of, like, things I love. So it's a great organization. I'm really happy that Joni Hall connected us. Thank, Thank you, you, Joni. <laughs> but it was so nice to meet you and got like it was so great getting to know you and to talk to you and get to know how you started everything and how it's so personal to you because that's I think like the greatest part of a charity is like how how it really began and especially being that you're so involved still is really cool. So I'm I hope for I hope Glamour Gals is around by the time we're all in retirement <laughs> homes and we can have someone doing our nails and and kind of helping us when we feel down too. Thank you. Yeah. Anytime. So and you can come back anytime, but I'm really looking forward to um volunteering and being involved in future events. Awesome. And the next one you said is December December eighteenth from six to eight PM at Sage and you can just go to our website, glamourgals.org. I think the events is up as you scroll down, but you click on it and there's Events through 2019 that you can go wow, to. Wow, amazing. So. Put them on the calendar. Yep, check that. <laughs> okay, and follow um, Glamour Gals on Instagram. Underscore, well. unders- underscore, underscore Glamour Gals. Underscore Glamour Gals. And then gals. on Twitter, Glamour Gals, if anybody's even on Twitter I, yeah, these days. <laughs> I know. I feel like Twitter's a dying thing. I don't really I don't really tweet anymore. I used to for a little bit. But. It can feed off your Instagram. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right, well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Bye, guys. This was Headcase.